Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. In Voices this week, we're talking to some of the widows of the Christchurch mosque attacks. The sentencing of the gunman is due to start in Christchurch next week. In an RNZ Plains FM podcast series, four widows were followed for six months in their journeys towards recovery and a different life following the tragedy. Widows of Shuhada's writer and producer Lana Hart catches up with some of the widows as sentencing date draws near. How do you like your noodles? Yummy? I like the and I think I am a stride ahead compared to before, getting in and adjusting the new life. Yeah. It's been almost a year and a half since the March 15th massacre. Allah take them and they are in paradise. Aya is three. She turned three in June. She's a very busy three-year-old. <laughs> loud and bubbly. And finally, it's time to hold the man who killed so many to account. He's going to help because he's, he's already killed so many Muslim people, so he's going to help. He deserved to be there for a long, long time till his last breath. I, I really hope he gets what he deserves. <laughs> Beginning on August 24th, a Christchurch district courtroom will fill up with the families and survivors of the attacks. Over several days, victim impact statements will be read out to the killer, who will be present in the courtroom. Will I be angry when I see him when I'm in the courtroom? Will I be angry at him? Even I don't, I don't think I'd attend the court even if I was in New Zealand. We visit three women whose husbands were killed in the attacks on two Christchurch mosques. Three widows of Shuhada. This is Lana Hart for RNZ Voices. Dr. Hamima Tuyan is a speech therapist who lives in Singapore with her two school-aged boys. You may remember hearing about her husband, Zachariah, who was the last, the 51st person, to die in the attacks seven weeks after March 15th. My husband went through this for seven weeks in, in isolation in a hospital, you know, with the wires around him. So this is nothing compared to that. Hamima's coming back to Christchurch for the sentencing of the man who killed Zachariah. That's a pretty big sacrifice for her busy life as a solo working mum, considering the COVID-19 restrictions in both New Zealand and Singapore. So that's four weeks of quarantining or self-isolation. It's just something that I have to do. My children can't do it, so I'll have to do it for them. And I really haven't had a lot of opportunity to be by myself and to be able to really reflect on what's been happening and my own feelings and things like that. So, you know, ironically, I, I, I hope that the isolation that is imposed on 
<laughs> that will be imposed on me with the um, travel to New Zealand again. That could be the aloneness, isolation that I probably need and couldn't have. I, I felt that, you know, this is just something that my husband would have wanted if, if it was the other way around. He would have done the same. And um, if he was here now, he would be whispering to me and telling me that, you know, you, I can do this because I needed to get over the big hurdle. And this is one of the last big ones for me to jump over all the discomfort or the inconvenience. I don't see it as a sacrifice at all, but I see it as a duty and a responsibility. The murder will be in the courtroom behind frosted glass so that the victims can't see his face or his expressions for their own protection. Hamima and many other members of the Muslim community will read out victim impact statements. The biggest part of the message from me was for him to reflect on what he has done. That's one. That I didn't want him to be a martyr. There are only 51 martyrs in all of this. And there's a whole communities of heroes, and he's neither of them. I didn't want him to be able to use this as a platform for him to further advance his evil ideologies. And I wanted to plead with the, with the judge that he doesn't deserve 25 years imprisonment, 30 years imprisonment, even though they call it life imprisonment, you know. He deserved to be there for a long, long time, till his last breath, because... He doesn't deserve to be given a second chance to be part of the wider society who's been loving, who's been compassionate, whether he regrets what he's done or not. That is secondary. But part of his punishment is to stay there, I feel. He's 28 and he's 29 this year. If we were to give him, what, 30 years of life and the possibility of parole, he would be 50, 60 odd when he gets out. So, yeah, I don't think he deserves that. What about her feelings about the gunman? What does Hamima think about the man who murdered her husband and 50 others while they knelt in prayer? Will I be angry when I see him, when I'm in the courtroom? Will I be angry at him? I don't think I will because I'm, I think I've passed that. I think I'll be just sad. I just keep thinking about how his mom would feel. I'm a mom. I feel sorry in a way for him and people who support him what is it that they have not had or found in them that they have to resort to this sort of ideology or this sort of action or support this man uh, I surprised myself too when I when the feeling that overcame me was not really anger but more of sympathy not sympathy what's the word yeah, more of pity, I think. Pity towards the gunman. And yet Hamima, she always looks at the broader issues surrounding her husband's death. But the bigger picture, I think, is to appeal to the society. It's about shifting our mindset and to learn from this and how we as a society, as a wider community could go beyond talking about inclusivity and things like that but really look deep into our morality if we needed a tragedy like March 15 to wake us up 
and that is a tragedy in itself. I'm not sure what else do we need、um, for us to change our attitudes. Mahubo Ali Jama lives in a spacious, warm house in Holswell, just outside of Christchurch, with her extended family. We settle down in the quiet, carpeted lounge with Mahubo and Kali, our Somali interpreter. Mahubo speaks a little English, but feels more comfortable using her native language for these interviews. No, yeah, quiet. The conversation turns to the upcoming court date and the gunman. He already did the damage he's done, and we can't do anything about it. There's the government who's looking after them, so and also as an evil person who contributed what happened. But because that day, you know, I have a lot of worries and things in it, and it's still happening for me the worry I feel. But Allah take them. And they are in paradise. For the past seventeen months, and since I've known Mahubo, she's found it really hard to deal with the trauma of being at Al Nour Mosque that day. After hearing the rapid gunfire for several minutes while hiding in the women's area, she went looking for her husband, Sheikh Musa. As you can imagine, she saw some things that she just can't unsee. Every time they talk about the news, I worried. The people for their anxiety disorder who helped me and they prescribed me some medication, and the, that medication helped me to sleep, and that helped me to calm down my brain. I avoid not to watch the news, but we're going to the、um, court. Mahubo, like Hamima, will read out a victim impact statement at the sentencing. Kali will interpret for her, but. Mahubo was expecting a little more out of the time that they have in court. I asked a question of the police. I said to them, "Are we allowed to ask question the man who did this? We're not allowed to ask any question of the man who did this." So I asked the police, "Why are we going and see him and if we're not allowed to ask any question? What's the point?" But for many Muslims, it doesn't really matter what happens to the gunman in the New Zealand justice system. For some, what matters is what happens in the afterlife. He's going to hell because he's he's already killed so many Muslim people.、So、he's going to hell. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not forgive when you take somebody's blood and kill somebody. Allah doesn't forgive. The only person who can give you forgiveness is the person you have done something. Fada Talal headed back to her family's home in Jordan a few months after her husband Ata Elian was shot dead on March fifteenth. It's been really good spending time in Jordan. It's been healing. It's been good affirming the love, the support that I've been receiving is unbelievable. Alhamdulillah. But in general, Alhamdulillah, I miss his presence and everything that everything about him. Ata and Fada's daughter Aya. Has just turned three years old. Everyone says she has her father's eyes. Aya is a miracle. Like this is the meaning of her name, and she's the sunshine of my life. 
Fada and Aya live with Fada's parents and siblings in Amman, the capital of Jordan. For the first year after the attacks, Fada found it so hard to come to terms with the death of her beloved husband. She wouldn't allow herself to think about the gunmen or question the reasons for the massacre. But now she seems more ready to bring this important chapter of the tragedy to a close. I then thought about it a lot after the tears and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is the last thing that I need to do and I need closure for this. So I'm going to write a victim impact statement. And I actually, after I did, although it was very draining for me in the process, but I did feel much better. Fada and her family will be viewing the gunman's sentencing via a video link from Jordan. She made an audio recording of her victim impact statement. This will be played in the courtroom. And I now want actually to watch the sentencing, although I know it's going to be hard. But I do think that this is the very last bit of the 15th of March chapter where I just really need to, I need a, we, we all, I think, need a closure, all of me, the New Zealanders, and whether it was the affected families or, you know, everyone, because it affected us all one way or another. These three widows of Shuhada face what may be the final milestone in the wake of the March 15th massacre. But they also remind us, no matter what happens at the sentencing of their husband's killer, that life marches on. May Allah make me happy. May Allah be able to make me to drive my car, to work, to do the normal things that I used to do. Children grow. When people look at her, they say, like, she looks like me, but at the same time, they could see Afa in her, so she looks like him as well. Yeah, her eyes. Whenever I look at her, I, I can see him and families move towards their next chapters. Just the three of us for now, not sure what's going to happen, but whatever it is, I think we need to reset and restart. There's a new life that we need to work on together, start together, the children are growing, so I have to support that and nurture that. But for sure, we'll just take each day as it comes, but I know that it has to be different from what it was before. Your voice is going to break. By the time I come back, you'll be greeting me with this voice. Hello, me. How are you? Ah, that's Stop. better, right? See, your voice is so growl now. <laughs> that's better, right? Yeah, it's deep now. You're not even 12. <laughs> that was Lana Hart for Voices. The sentencing for the gunman is slated to start on August 24th. To hear more about the ordeal the four widows have been through this past year, check out the series Widows of Shahada on rnz.co.nz. Thanks for listening to Voices Today. I'm Kadam Gladding. The audio engineer for this episode was Alex Harmer. Tim Watkin is the executive producer for podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.